Welcome to the Hills Church Sermon Podcast. Located in El Dorado Hills, California, it is our mission to help others find and follow Jesus. We hope this message inspires, encourages, and uplifts you today. Amen. All right, we are going to dive into God's word together today, and I'm so excited because we are starting a new series that I have titled Letters from My Future Self. Letters from My Future Self, and here's the idea, the heart behind the series. If you today could write a letter to yourself a year ago, three years ago, five years ago, 10 years ago, 30 years ago, what would you say? There is a reality that all of us understand, but it's simply this, experience in life, living through the experiences of life is one of the greatest teachers you will ever have. And here's what I know. Yes, God speaks to us primarily through his word. Yes, God speaks to us primarily through the written word, through times of prayer with him when we get quiet and we sit before him. God will speak to you through friends, trusted mentors and advisors in your life, But do you know how else God speaks to you? How he speaks to all of us is through the experiences and the events of your life. And friends, what I know to be true is simply this. You will have highs and lows. You will have wins and losses. You will have joys and sorrows. You will have seasons of success and seasons of failure, seasons of pain and seasons of comfort. And if we have ears to hear and we take time to reflect and listen, we will actually discern and discover that God is speaking to us through the very experiences of our life. You can think of it like this. If we pause and reflect, we will learn to hear God's voice through the experiences of our lives. You'll learn to actually hear him speaking to you. You'll learn to actually apply what you've learned through every season of your life, and you'll understand God was with me through it all, and he was actually speaking to me through it all. There's this amazing verse, a verse I love in Job. And if you know anything about the story of Job or um, just the life of Job, you know this is a man who endured suffering. It's a unique book, and the primary theme of the book is pain. He's endured tremendous loss and heartache. He's been through more than is almost humanly imaginable. And there's this moment in Job chapter 32 where one of his friends, Elihu, he says to him, I am young in years and you are aged. Therefore, I was timid and afraid to declare my opinion to you. Young people in the room, take notes. There's something that Elihu understood about life that, hey, I'm young. I haven't experienced as much life as you, Job. I know that you are older than I am, so I'm a little afraid to share my opinion with you because guess what? I don't know everything. That's wisdom for a young man. There are things that we can learn. But here's what he says, and I think this is incredibly wise. He says, let the days speak. And many years teach wisdom, but 
It is the spirit in man, the breath of the Almighty, that makes him understand. I want you to think about that. The events and experiences of your days are speaking to you. You learn stuff as you live. You learn stuff through your failures, through your pains, through the highs and the lows. Your years give you wisdom. You learn about the world. You learn about God. You learn about your loved ones. You learn about yourself. However, how we understand, how we apply that wisdom to our lives only comes by the breath of the Almighty, through the Spirit of God. And if we don't take time to listen to our lives if we don't take time to pause and reflect and understand through our experiences what God is teaching us, then we may grow in wisdom. We may learn a few things, but we won't be able to apply what God wants us to apply to our lives because that only comes by God's spirit. That's what Job is telling us. That's what Elihu is saying to us. So a few other verses that I think give us context for this series. The next one is Isaiah 46, verse 4, says this, I will be your God throughout your lifetime. Throughout your lifetime, I'm going to be with you until your hair is white with age. I made you, I will care for you, and I will carry you along and save you. You can know that whatever you've been through in life it's not just an accident. It's not fully outside of God's sovereign ability to redeem and to restore. God says this, look, I'm with you. I made you. I will care for you. I will carry you. I've been with you through it all. Philippians 1.6, one of my favorite verses, says it like this. I am sure of this very thing, writes the Apostle Paul. He writes that the one who began a good work in you the work that began in you will bring it to completion or perfection in the day of Christ Jesus. What is the day of Christ Jesus? That's either the day when you die and you go to meet him or the day he returns, whichever comes first. And what Paul is saying through this is there are some things, there are some things that God wants to do in your life that will take a lifetime to complete. There are some things, some works that God wants to do in you and through you that you will not learn until you live a full lifetime and experience a full lifetime worth of events. But God is with you. He will carry you through and he is working in your midst and through it all. So here's the question. Here's the heart behind the series. What has God taught you thus far? What would you say to a younger version of yourself if you could write a letter right here and right now? And I'm not just talking about, uh, hey, yo, uh, here are the lottery numbers in the year 2021. Make sure you pick these when the mega Powerball hits. I'm not just talking about, you know, stock recommendations or real estate recommendations. I'm talking about the stuff that goes with you for eternity, I'm talking about the things that don't just end here on earth, but go with you into the next life. What would you say to yourself about what matters most? Can I share a letter with you that I wrote this week of what I would say to a younger version of myself? 
I had some fun with this. Thank you for saying, yes, I can. (laughs) Jonathan, when you go off to college, do not break up with Lindsay. It's a dumb move. She's the greatest gift God has ever given you. You're gonna spend the next five years wasting your time looking for the perfect girl when you had her all along and you will save yourself a lot of pain and heartache if you stop being an idiot and just commit. I'm earning some major points right now. (laughs) Marriage will be hard, but ultimately it's gonna grow you up and make you a better man. Go for it. Also, once you get your act together and ask her to marry you, and she, by the grace of God, says yes, Jonathan, don't take her to Breckenridge on your honeymoon. Go somewhere warm and tropical. Trust me on this one. There's a few reasons for this. Number one, on this trip to Breckenridge, you will lose your man card. Lindsay grew up skiing with her family, and you've never been skiing before. And as soon as she starts shredding down those first runs, you're going to realize this entire situation was a bad idea. She's going to convince you after a few runs on the bunny slopes that you're ready for a black diamond. Jonathan, you are not yet ready. When you get to the top and look down, you're going to be terrified, but you can't let her know that. You're, you're going to hit a mogul going way too fast about halfway down because you're trying to keep up with her. And then you're going to fly sideways through the air, landing awkwardly on your left knee, hyperextending it as your skis and poles go skidding down the mountain. Your knee is going to hurt so bad that you're not going to be able to ski the rest of the trip. And that night at dinner, in a low moment, She's going to accuse you of being a wimp and that your knee is not really that hurt. And you're going to say some choice things back to her that you're really going to regret. And it's going to create a massive fight on the first night of your honeymoon. Just take her to the beach. Spend the money and take her somewhere tropical. Trust me, it's going to be better for everyone. It's the first letter I'd write to myself. The second one is this, as I thought through my life a little bit. Jonathan, as you transition into adulthood, you're going to want to be seen as self-sufficient and strong. And you will rarely ask for help. It's a massive mistake. In fact, in 2009, you're going to be juggling your first year of marriage. Your wife will unexpectedly get pregnant with your first child You will begin grad school taking a full load of five courses, and you will start your first full-time ministry job as a youth pastor. And when your marriage begins to struggle, and you've realized that you've taken on too much to handle, you're going to want to bear the weight of it all. You're going to think you should. You're going to think real men just bear up under it, pull up their bootstraps, and grit it out. And at some level, Jonathan, that's true. As men, we're called to carry the burdens, endure through difficult seasons, hold a job, and provide for our families. But in this season, Jonathan, you're going to turn to things that will ease your stress, that you believe will ease the stress and pain of the situation. You're going to enter into a private struggle with anxiety, stress, and even turn to alcohol to try and manage the stress and expectations you're putting on yourself to be a perfect father, husband, student, and pastor. 
You're not gonna know how to manage it all, Jonathan. You're gonna drive a wedge between yourself and your wife. And finally, just before it falls apart and you break down, you're gonna walk into your pastor's office and confess everything to him and ask for help. In that moment, you're gonna be ashamed, embarrassed, and afraid. And guess what, Jonathan? He's gonna look at you and ask one question. What took you so long to ask for help? Why did you suffer in silence alone for the past several years? Bro, I love you. Let's get you into marriage counseling. Let's figure out how to get you guys healthy again. I'm in this with you and I'm for you. You're gonna learn in that moment, Jonathan, one of the most valuable lessons of your entire life. Don't be afraid to ask for help. Don't be afraid to ask for help. Friends, as we think back across our lives, as we think back through the journey of our lives, we all realize there are moments when we couldn't do it on our own, when we needed to let others in and ask for help. And I want to say this so clearly. Asking for help is not a sign of weakness. In fact, it's one of the strongest and most courageous things you will ever do. It's a demonstration of courage, integrity, and it's a demonstration of the reality of the fact that you are human. We all need help at some point or another. Admitting our failures and asking for help is the doorway, it's the pathway that God will often use to bring us through the valleys and the wilderness seasons of our lives into new seasons of hope and freedom. If I could write a letter to my younger self, I would say, Jonathan, don't be afraid to ask for help. And if I could say that to you today, wherever you're at in this moment, don't be afraid to ask for help. James 5.16 says this, therefore, Confess your sins one to another and pray for one another that you may be, say it with me, healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Do you know what confession is? If you grew up in a Catholic background, you may have a negative connotation. There's a lot of guilt associated with it. You show up in this confidential moment and you pour out your heart to a priest, and it's only through that that you get forgiven. But the truth is this, confession is not just an admission of guilt. It's letting somebody else into your story so they can help you. Confession is asking for help, not just from another person, but from God. And friends, that, according to scripture, is the pathway for healing. If you want to be whole, if you want to be healed, you got to let some people in. you got to ask for help. You have to be willing to ask for help. You know, in my life, I, I like to know the root causes, what's underneath the issue. Next week, Pastor Chad is going to be preaching on anxiety, and he's going to touch on the root issues beneath anxiety. Often for many of us, it's just a desire to be in control, to control our lives. And guess what? You can't do it. There are certain things that are outside of your control. There's a lot of things that are outside of your control. But if we ask ourselves today, why is it so hard for us to ask for help? 
There is one word that answers that question. Pride. Pride is the reason we don't ask for help. We don't want to be seen as weak, incompetent, or needy. We want to be seen as those who are strong and we've got it all together. But you're human and you don't. That's why we need Jesus. That's the whole point of the gospel. Jesus himself said, I did not come to quote unquote heal those who are righteous and have no need of healing. I came for those who are sick and in need of a doctor, AKA all of us. All of us, that's the foundation of the gospel. Let me ask you a question. I need everyone's participation in this. (laughs) Between men and women, who do you think has more trouble asking for help? Hold on, not yet, by show of hands. (laughs) If you think women have more difficulty asking for help, raise your hand. Okay, we got a few. We got a few. If you think men have more trouble asking for help, raise your hand. Fascinating. I read a study this week that actually said women have more trouble. I'm just kidding. That's not true at all. You guys are like, what study are you reading, right? Now, at some level, it's dependent on the person. I get that. All of us have trouble asking for help at different situations and in different moments. But the reason that we struggle is pride. We don't want to look weak and incompetent. And men, I just want to speak to you for a minute because I get it. I get it on a whole other level because I'm a pastor, I'm supposed to have it together, right? It's like, man, he's the guy up there teaching us God's word every week. He better have it together. Let me just tell you, I don't. Ask my wife. (laughs) Ask my kids. I have so many areas of, you know, just incompetence and weakness and brokenness and struggle in my life. You know, guys, as we grew up, as we were young, I guarantee you this, none of you thought to yourself, I want Shaggy to be my hero. (laughs) Scooby-Doo, let's go. Zoinks, right? He's scared of everything. Look at him. He's weak. He's soft. He's just a scaredy cat. No one was like, man, Shaggy is the man, right? Who did we want to be our hero? Who was our hero as a kid growing up? Yeah, Superman. Superman could do it all. He was strong. He always saved the day. Superman, it felt like, was invincible. But friends, I want to say this clearly. Just like Superman, in some ways, our kryptonite, our weakness is not letting other people in. Love this story about Muhammad Ali. Not a man known for his humility. He was on a flight and a stewardess came up to him because his seatbelt wasn't buckled and she said, Mr. Ali, you need to buckle your seatbelt. We're about to take off. To which he responded, Superman don't need no seatbelt. To which she responded, Superman don't need no plane either. Buckle up. <laughs> like that lady is my hero. I don't even know who that is. But here's the deal. Guys, men, women, we all need help in some area or another of our lives. Proverbs 13.10 says this about the reality of pride. Where there is strife, there is 
pride. I want you to think about this. Where there is strife or struggle or conflict, there is pride, but wisdom is found in those who take advice, in those who ask for help. That's where wisdom is found. Beneath every struggle, hardship, failure in your life, beneath all the areas that you can't seem to get unstuck from, there's pride, and God just says, you need to let me in there, and you need to let some other people in there. Friends, experience is one of our greatest teachers. There are certain things in life that you can learn from a podcast, from a book, or from YouTube. I learned how to install my uh, dishwasher through YouTube. Praise God for YouTube. There are certain things you can learn from a podcast, a book, or YouTube, but there are certain things in life that you can only learn by walking through them. Ask any policeman or firefighter in the room today if just because they graduated the academy and got the badge, they understood the anxiety, pressure, and stress of making their first arrest or having to run into a burning building because a life was on the line. Guarantee you, you don't understand how to handle yourself fully in that situation until you've walked through it. Ask any teacher who walked across the stage and received a diploma or a degree if they knew on day one how to lead a classroom full of seventh graders. Not a chance. Ask any married couple who's been married for more than a few years if on their wedding day they fully understood what it meant to love someone else through thick and thin and they will tell you, no, I didn't. I had to live some life first. Ask any parent who just had a child if they understand the fullness of what it means to be a father or a mother. The answer is no, you don't. Friends, think about this. You will never learn how to love an enemy until you've had an enemy. You will never learn what it means to forgive someone until you're the one who's been wronged. You will never understand. We all love the idea and the concept of forgiveness. We all agree that forgiveness is a good thing until we've been hurt so deeply and badly that we can't even imagine speaking to that person ever again and we have to process and release and go to Christ and go to counseling just how to learn to let it go. There are certain things that God can only teach you by walking through them. Friends, I don't want to close with this. One of the greatest lies of the enemy is he wants to convince you that you're struggling alone. You're the only one struggling in the way that you're struggling. And it's not true. He wants to keep you isolated. He wants to keep you afraid of bringing that into the light. He wants you to think that your failure has become your identity. But thanks be to God for the grace of God. Failure is not your identity, it's your instructor. God's grace covers you. You're forgiven, you're loved despite your performance. Failure in the kingdom of God is not final. It's the beginning of instruction. It's the beginning of learning. It's our teacher. 
The real tragedy in life is not our failures. It's not allowing our failures to teach us and to lead us into growth. Friends, we're gonna close by taking communion together and then we're gonna celebrate baptisms. One of my favorite things to do at our church. And if you have communion, you can bring it out now. But I wanna say this. The entire reason that Christ died for our sins on the cross is not because we had our act together, it's because we needed a savior. You're not perfect, neither am I. Neither am I. The very beginning of a new life, of a life of faith is asking God for help. Saying, Jesus, I need you. Jesus, rescue me. Jesus, help me. Jesus, save me. Communion represents Jesus's broken body for you and the blood that was shed for you so that you can have new life. And I'm gonna pray for us, we're gonna take communion together, but if you've never accepted Christ as your savior, I want you to pray with me right now and take that step of faith today. Let's pray. Lord, right now we come to you and we thank you for the cross. Lord, we thank you that you died for our sins. If you want to take a step of faith today, say to Jesus in your heart, Lord, I have failed. I am broken. I do need a Savior. Say to him that you believe that he died for you on the cross because he loves you. In your heart, put your trust in him as the one who conquered death and rose from the dead. Lord, I believe, say, that you rose from the dead so that I could have new life. And I want to follow you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. Thank you for listening to the Hills Church Sermon Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe. And if you haven't already, give us a rating so we know how this has impacted your journey with God. To learn more about us, visit our website at hills.church. We'll see you next time.